if you are listening to this podcast the day that it comes out, Tuesday, March 5th, you can see me at Revel in Over the Rhine in Cincinnati. It's a cool little wine bar. You can get a carafe of wine. It's a little bougie. Late night revelations. It's a uh, it's a talk show. It's a comedy show. They got music. They got interviews. It's gonna be a lot of it's gonna be a lot of fun. It's gonna be a lot funnier than this podcast. I, I promise. And eight o'clock. No cover. Or if you're looking for something to do on Pi Day, March fourteenth, three one four at Urban Artifact Brewery. Also at eight o'clock. Also no cover. That's just a straight up stand up comedy show. Uh, I've only got I've only got one other show after that. I don't my 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 calendar is empty. But guess what? I'm doing a comedy festival, Yuck Fest, Indianapolis, April 26th through the 28th. Uh, I'll probably do, I, I think I'm going to do more than one show there, but I, I don't have any confirmed times. But I can confirm that on the 27th, April 27th, Indianapolis, brunch time comedy show, we are doing Buzzmania, which is a gimmick comedy show. We give comics topics. They can't do any of their bits. And then we also do some dumb pro wrestling shit around it. A uh, lot of copyright infringement. Come see it. We've never done it on the road. We only did it at Myrtle's Punch House. Rest in peace. All right, let's get into the show. Owner of the New England Patriots, Robert Kraft, was charged with solicitation of a prostitute. The NFL has said that it will take, quote, appropriate action against Kraft meaning they'll do nothing because he's rich, white, and not named Colin Kaepernick. (laughs) A Medicare for All bill was finally introduced to Congress. Progressive ultra-left-wing socialist Nancy Pelosi, worth an estimated $30 million, asked, how are we going to pay for it? When shown a list of the wealthiest people in the country whose taxes would be increased to pay for it, she said, why are you showing me a list of my donors? (laughs) Michigan Representative Rashida Tlaib made a splash last week at the Michael Cohen testimony when she called out North Carolina's Mark Meadows for using a black aide to prove that Donald Trump isn't racist. On the verge of tears, Meadow insisted that he can't be racist because he's got second cousins who get pretty tan in the summertime. In the wake of this incident, old footage of Meadows went viral, where he tells a crowd that he will, quote, send Obama back to Kenya. When pressed about this footage, he said it was, quote, old news that he was running for office at the time and that he actually has a few family members that he's sent back to Kenya. Senator Kamala Harris is holding a fundraising dinner for her presidential campaign at the home of Hollywood producer and director J.J. Abrams. Tickets range from $2,800 to $10,000, around the same price as an affordable health care plan. <laughs> at this dinner, she plans to unveil her full campaign slogan, Kamala Harris for the people who are rich enough to drop more on one meal than what most Americans spend on food in an entire year. Uh. <laughs> Thank God she's not taking corporate PAC money. Or I might think she's running to represent out-of-touch wealthy elites. Nancy Pelosi says that she will not forbid members of the newly formed Select Committee on Climate Crisis from accepting money from fossil fuel companies. I tried to make a list of ridiculous analogies to heighten that kind of hypocritical backpedaling, but I just ended up listing off Pelosi's actual policy positions. 
A record high five police officers in Chicago have died by suicide since July 2018, or as members of the low-income communities that they antagonize call it, a good start. <laughs> this gives an entire new definition to the phrase suicide by cop. In the reports of these incidents, it is noted that the officers had no other choice, fearing for their own safety as the suspect refused to follow commands and appeared to be pointing a deadly weapon directly at them. This is Just Calm Down. One thing that's been incredibly telling to me these past few weeks is how the Democrats and the media are in lockstep, uncritical agreement that Trump and his goons' actions against Venezuela are humanitarian in nature. These are the exact same people that have spent more than two years convincing us that Trump is an unhinged, compromised traitor to the United States doing the bidding of Vladimir Putin and is quite literally Hitler. Trump is already putting children in camps at the border and injecting them with chemicals. Now he's getting ready to overthrow a sovereign government in South America. To be outraged about one and not the other is some Fox News Republican-level cognitive dissonance. If you think Trump supporters are knuckle-draggers because he's such a blatant hypocrite, but you buy into this glaringly transparent humanitarian aid charade, maybe we do deserve eight years of this psychopath. You can't both resist and cheer on literally Hitler as he leads the charge to steal oil from the country he and John Bolton have both stated they want to steal oil from. The Trump administration isn't even being creative with their efforts against Venezuela. They're using the same tactics that have been used across South and Central America and in the Middle East for decades. And these tactics are being used by the exact same people, John Bolton and Elliot Abrams. These relics of American imperialism are getting the band back together for one last go-around of mass murder and government overthrow. Like the good old days. And the American public is inexplicably falling for it. They're not even trying something different. They're using the exact same template from Iraq, from Libya, from Syria, from Guatemala. Here's what you do. You get the media to tell the public that people are starving and it's a dictator's fault. Then show them how the dictator refuses to be reasoned with. Now make up a human rights atrocity, whether it's soldiers throwing babies out of incubators or setting humanitarian aid trucks on fire. That will get the bleeding hearts on the left thirsty for blood and consent has been successfully manufactured. Now you've turned that public ire that would be reserved for anti-war demonstrations into vehement calls to intervene against a brutal dictator who simply must be stopped. This time, the people we usually disagree with are right. As Americans, we need to wake up to this. We are on the precipice of another human rights atrocity at the hands of Elliot Abrams whose greatest achievements in life include trading and supporting death squads and invading sovereign nations under the false pretense of bringing them democracy. He never went to jail for the crimes he committed against humanity, but much like violent criminals who get released from prison, he's ready to become a repeat offender. How is it that war criminals like Bolton and Abrams continue to have these unelected positions of power generation after generation? 
Because when we do manage to elect so-called lefties like Barack Obama because they campaign against the atrocities of the George Bush administration, they opt against prosecuting the John Boltons of the world once they take office. And then they dare to give us an earful about how important it is that we continue showing up to vote, even when they themselves are direct proof that voting doesn't actually change a damn thing. The left must stop capitulating to these bloodthirsty maniacs and unequivocally denounce any efforts by the U.S. government to influence events in Venezuela. Lift the sanctions which aim to starve and kill hundreds of thousands of innocent civilians and immediately halt any covert operations that have been ongoing to undermine a sovereign government in Venezuela. We need everyone to the left of Henry Kissinger to resist these heinous actions against Venezuela or admit that the resistance was only ever a hashtag. Hey everybody, I'm sitting here on the couch, ready to talk some shit. My dog's walking around, we have hardwood floors, we rent. I don't own these hardwood floors. Hopefully that pitter-patter, click-clack, doesn't get picked up, but if it does, I don't care. I spent a lot of time on last week's episode, I'm sorry, my producer spent a lot of time on last week's episode, editing out my dumb little laughter, editing out mouth noises. I've got some chest noises going on. I've got some some sinus noises still going on. I don't know. I'm going to try not to make mouth noises, but I also realized as I was watching stuff, I was wa- I was listening to the Michael Jackson documentary on HBO today, and uh, a lot of those people, they, they were making a lot of the mouth noises too, so maybe I'm being too sensitive about it. I'm very anal about stuff. Anal, maybe not the word I should have used talking about the Michael Jackson documentary. <laughs> If you've watched it, you know what I'm talking about. I guess you don't have to watch it to know what I'm talking about. But anyways, it's been a couple weeks since Bernie Sanders made his announcement that he's running for president. And one specific argument that I have seen all over the place and that has it annoys me every single time that I hear it is I'm not really I don't really care. I'm just going to support whoever wins the primary. The primaries don't start for a year. And that is the angle that you're taking. That line of thinking annoys me for a lot of reasons because one, it plays into this narrative that when Bernie Sanders lost the primary in 2016, he jumped off the bandwagon, ran third party, and told Hillary Clinton that she could go fuck herself which he did not do. Many of his supporters wanted him to do that. A lot of his supporters, myself included, want him to run third party because the Democratic Party is already working against him. They should be so lucky to have the most popular politician in the country who runs as an independent, who's been an independent for, I think, 30 years. They should be so lucky to have him as their candidate, but they're going to do whatever they can to make it so that he he, he doesn't get to be the candidate. But I don't want to be negative. I want to be optimistic. So he's right. He's running for the Democratic ticket, and that's fine. Let's do this. But I don't like this argument of we need to make sure we support whoever wins the primary. Do we? I don't know if we do. I I don't buy into that line of thinking. I think that that is tribalism that I don't believe in. I don't consider myself a Democrat. I'm only registered as a Democrat because I thought you had to be in Ohio to vote in the primaries. It turns out you don't, so I'll be changing that the next time I get an opportunity. So, but I don't I don't buy, I don't buy that. I don't think we must support whoever wins the primary. 
but we're already getting way too far ahead of ourselves. Let's not talk along those lines. Let's talk about vetting the candidate, finding the best candidate, because if we find the best candidate and they win the nomination, of course, we should support them. But if there is some fuckery that goes on in the delegate process, like there was in 2016, we have no obligation to support that person. Being better than Trump has proven itself to not be good enough. So I will, I will vote for the most progressive person running for president, whether it's the Democrat or whether it's third party. I, I don't, don't make me go third party. That's your answer, Democrats. Don't make people like me, don't make the 100 million people who did not vote in 2016, don't make them vote third party, don't make them stay home, nominate the most popular politician in the United States of America, Bernie Sanders. So that frustrates me. And uh, it, it's also frustrating as somebody who, uh, you know, I, I got pretty involved in the Ohio governor's race this past year. I supported Dennis Kucinich in the primaries, and he did not win. And the candidate was a an establishment centrist, and he lost because he didn't excite anybody. I threw my support behind the Green Party candidate, Constance Goodell Newton, very progressive, pretty much in lockstep with Bernie Sanders or Dennis Kucinich. Same platform, same progressive policies, Medicare for all, legalize marijuana, fix the prison system, no private prisons, Black Lives Matter, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And when I would talk to uh, liberals about why I support the Green Party candidate over the Democratic candidate, they say, oh, your time for, for casting a protest vote is in the primary. The stakes are way too high in the general election for you to support a candidate who can't possibly win. Now they're switching that narrative. Now the, now the primary doesn't even matter because no matter who wins the primary, we must unite behind that candidate. When the primary season is happening, they want you to worry about the general. And then when the general is happening, they want you to vote your conscience in the primary. So that's frustrating to me. I think it's bullshit. I think it's a cop-out. I think that's anti-democratic. And it's just, it's pure tribalism. And it says that the status quo was fine. We need to get back to the status quo before we can progress. No, we can nominate Bernie fucking Sanders next year, next summer, and we can win in a landslide. But okay, let's go, let's go along with this party unity stuff. This is, a, this is a headline from a couple hours ago today, Monday. House Dems will take floor action to confront Omar's latest Israel comments. The freshman Democrat is clashing with senior lawmakers who view her remarks as anti-Semitic. So one of the first, one of two, just this past, this past election, first Muslim woman in Congress is being attacked by the Democrats for being, quote, anti-Semitic. I'm going to read some of this article. This is from Politico. Speaker Nancy Pelosi and top Democrats will take floor action Wednesday in response to controversial remarks by Representative Ilhan Omar about Israel, the second such rebuke of the freshman Democrat from party leaders in recent weeks. Controversial remarks include stating the undeniable fact that money from the Israeli government, money from lobbyists, who are lobbying on behalf of the Israeli government have undue influence over our politics and over our politicians. There is no denying that. That's not controversial. What's controversial is that a woman wearing a hijab 
said such things. And people on the right, you know, a few weeks ago, they demanded that she apologize for making these statements. She made a half apology because she was facing pressure from Democrats, including Nancy Pelosi, that sellout, who we are told we're not allowed to hold her feet to the fire because she's our leader. She's the only thing standing between you and Trump. Get the fuck out of here. AOC was given, was given shit in, you know, at freshman orientation, she joins a protest in Nancy Pelosi's office. And guess what? The Green New Deal is now getting pushed forward. So don't tell me that you, so, so you can't criticize Nancy Pelosi, but you can criticize the Muslim woman because it's easy to give her flack because she's not a power, she's not a white woman. So you're allowed to attack her. I want to see if I can find what these remarks were. I've spent way too much time on Twitter today, so my, my brain is like fried a little bit. So as House Democrats are moving to take action against Ilhan Omar for making statements that they are saying they're perceiving as anti-Semitic, they're telling her that she better step down. Not even that she should step, I don't even know, I guess they, they haven't said what they're going to do, but uh, th- this is clearly a racist, Islamophobic attempt to silence one of the only anti-war, anti-regime change, anti-interventionalist, anti-apartheid people in Congress right now. Last week, she was on uh, one of the Intercepts podcasts, Deconstructed, with Mehdi Hassan. Uh, and it was a great, great listen. Go listen to it if you haven't heard it. It's, and it's quick. It's like 30 minutes long. And he asks her, uh, they get to talking about Venezuela. And he asks her if she recognizes Juan Guaido as the legitimate leader of Venezuela. And she said no. She is the only congressperson that I've heard say that. I thought that was awesome. I thought that was brave. And I thought that she is the only person in Congress who speaks for me. She is the only person in Congress who is standing up against the CIA narrative, the regime change narrative that is going to make the situation in Venezuela worse. And it is going to cause us to spend lots of money at the behest of ExxonMobil and the Koch brothers who stand to benefit the most from us overthrowing the Maduro regime. So she said that uh, also on that podcast, she said, I think is the thing that th- this second controversial thing she said that they're labeling as anti-Semitic is that she supports a two state solution. I believe in a, a two-state solution. I think it is important for for there to be uh, the the existence of two states that allow both of the peoples that are involved to have their own sanctuaries, their own states. Now, if there are Palestinians and Israelis that are interested in having a, a one-state solution that that involves both of them, then that that is a decision that they get to make and, and something that they get to advocate for. But I'm not one that, that sees there to be a, a solution that will involve one. I think the only solution um, that works right now is to advocate for two. I will admit that I don't know enough about the situation in Israel and Palestine to say whether I support a two-state solution or not, but I do support Palestinians' rights, of which they do not have any, and they are killed indiscriminately by the Israeli government. So anybody speaking out against that is a hero in my book, because people in Congress have remained silent on that conflict for far too long, and that's because many of them accept money from the pro-Israeli government lobby. That has nothing to do with Judaism. 
and everything to do with a fascist government that indiscriminately murders Muslim children, Muslim activists, Muslims in their homes, in the West Bank, in Gaza, in their homes. This is absolute insane. This is bullshit. And anybody on the left who refuses to stand with Ilhan Omar right now is going to severely regret that when they come for you next. They are trying to silence dissenting voices. And this comes, this comes from the right wing. It's coming from the Democrats right now, but it's coming through the right wing. The right wing demanded that she apologize last time, and Democrats folded to that, and they gave her pressure too, and now they're doing it again. My initial reaction to her apologizing was that she caved to pressure, and I was disappointed, but upon further consideration, uh, I think it was actually a lot more nuanced than that. I think she was able to effectively apologize to those who may have actually been affected by her words while not conceding to the bad faith smears leveled against her. The purpose of the apology was to make sure that the people who were hurt felt understood and heard. But the problem is that they're not actually attacking her for being anti-Semitic. That's just what they've weaponized in order to delegitimize her. Do you want to know what Ilhan Omar has actually done wrong? It's that she refuses to take marching orders from the most powerful influencers in Washington. She refuses to walk in lockstep with them in regards to Israel. She refuses to accept the CIA regime change narrative in Venezuela. She said that she absolutely does not recognize Juan Guaido as Venezuela's president. She held Elliot Abrams' feet to the fire for his genocidal actions on behalf of the U.S. government. But most of all, she's daring to be a Muslim woman in an elected position of power. This past weekend in the West Virginia State House, a Republican group displayed a poster with two images on it. Those images were of the World Trade Center blowing up on September 11th, and the other was a picture of Ilhan Omar sitting in Congress, and there's meme text over the images. Above the Twin Towers exploding, it says, quote, never forget, you said, and then over Ilhan's face, it says, I am the proof you have forgotten. Talk about anti-Islamic tropes. Jesus Christ. And this is in a long line of blatantly Islamophobic attacks and threats against Representative Omar. And yet, it's her speaking out against imperialism and violence against people of color that is getting her slapped on the wrist and labeled anti-Semitic. This woman is speaking truth to power even as her life is being threatened on a daily, public basis. And the most ironic thing about that dumbass poster is that Ilhan Omar is one of the only people in a position of power in this country whose foreign policy stances would actively prevent another 9-11 from happening. She is one of the only Congress people who is vocally opposed to regime change wars and calls it for what it is. And that's why she's being attacked by pro-war, bad-faith actors in both the Republican and Democratic Party. She tweeted a thread today, and I want to read all of it. I have not mischaracterized our relationship with Israel. I have questioned it. I am told every day that I am anti-American if I am not pro-Israel. I find that to be problematic, and I am not alone. I just happen to be willing to speak up on it and open myself to attacks. My Americanness is questioned by the president and the GOP on a daily basis, yet my colleagues remain silent. I know what it means to be an American, and no one will ever tell me otherwise. I haven't attacked pro-Israel Americans. I have questioned our politics. Being opposed to Netanyahu and the occupation is not the same as being anti-Semitic. I am grateful to the many Jewish allies who have spoken out and said the same. We must be willing to combat hate of all kinds while also calling out oppression of all kinds. I will do my best to live up to that. I hope my colleagues will join me in doing the same. Yeah, what an anti-Semitic piece of shit she is. <laughs> Could she be more clear in her words? 
So the fact that anybody, let alone the so-called leader of the so-called resistance, Nancy Pelosi, is coming at her is total bullshit. And we as leftists need to come out hard against this because they will come for us next. And I want you to remember this situation where Nancy Pelosi is spearheading this move to call Ilhan Omar to heal when they tell you that you must vote for whatever candidate we give you in 2020. They don't mean, well, whoever wins the primary is who we should support. No, they mean whoever we jam down your throat, whether you like it or not, is who you have to support or you are not for party unity. Well, where's your party unity, Nancy Pelosi, calling for action against Ilhan Omar for daring to have an opinion that's different from your status quo? Where's your party unity? So CNN did a town hall for Bernie Sanders' presidential campaign last Monday. I watched the entire thing. He did a great job. They tried to get him with a couple of different questions. But overall, he, uh, he responded well to those questions. And I, I didn't have any bad things to say about how he did in the town hall. And then I saw this the next day. So it's a CNN town hall. So they have, from the viewer's perspective, they have a random assortment of people who have submitted questions. And then they get to ask those questions on the air. And that's how it works. And each person has, you know, it shows their name underneath, and then it shows what they do. So, you know, you say, oh, uh, that's a teacher. That's a student. That's somebody that I can relate to. I was, a te- you know, I know some teachers. I was a student. These are, these are the issues that are speaking to these people. Well, then this came out the day after. Some people who are much smarter than me, who are uh, much better attention to detail, they noticed that some of these questioners their occupations listed underneath their names did not quite match up what they actually are doing today. For example, one of the questioners, Tara Ebersol, she was identified as a former biology professor. That's what CNN said under her name, former biology professor. Uh, Turns out her current job is chair of Baltimore County Democratic Party. That's been her job since 2016. And it turns out she hasn't been a biology professor in about 30 years. And it also turns out that Tara Ebersol's husband was part of the Hillary Clinton Leadership Council in Baltimore in 2016. Now, let me, uh, let me be clear here. I think it's fine for party establishment people to question the potential candidate of said party. I think that's fine. I think what's not okay is CNN's decision to hide that information from the viewers It's just a little odd to me, you know? Why would CNN not tell its viewers that Tara Ebersol is currently the chair of the Baltimore County Democratic Party? It's almost like CNN doesn't trust us with that kind of information. Like, we'd start to think that these questioners had been handpicked by the powers that be or something like that. And I do want to be clear. I think it's fine to have party leaders asking questions to the person who is going to inevitably represent the party at the highest national level, the president. But for CNN to not clue us in on that information is suspicious. It's almost like Time Warner is the biggest contributor to Kamala Harris <laughs> or something. I don't know. I, that, that sounds like a conspiracy theory, and I think a quick Google will show you that um, it isn't. It's the truth. So CNN uh, not acting in very good faith in this town hall, but, you know, they did get, you know, they put him on TV for an hour. They didn't cut away to an empty 
Trump podium. But anyways, uh, and, and this was this was uh, Tara Ebersol is not the only one. It, it turns out that pretty much all of the questioners have ties to the party or lobbying firms. Another questioner, and I'm going to get this name so wrong and I apologize, Shadi Nassab. She was labeled on CNN as American University student. Turns out that she's also working as an intern for a major Washington, D.C. lobbying firm, Cassidy & Associates. So she's a lobbyist, uh, but she's just an intern. She's working for a lobbying firm. If you think that there's not some kind of conflict of interest there, I mean, really? She asked how he's going to prevent sexual harassment during his 2020 presidential bid, uh, which is a fair question that should be asked of all of the candidates. The thing is, it hasn't been, and it seems like the mainstream media is only interested in Bernie's because that could potentially take him down. Fortunately, for those of us who do support Senator Sanders, we know that he has implemented one of the most comprehensive plans to prevent any kind of sexual harassment from going on because it's unacceptable. But what's also unacceptable is that these people who act outraged that it happened on his campaign do not have that same outrage when you tell them that it happened in the Hillary Clinton campaign, in the Kamala Harris campaign, in pretty much every campaign because uh you know we've got a, we've got a problem with sexual harassment in uh in in the i want to say this country but it's really our species <laughs> it's a it's a problem and we're finally addressing it and good thing that we're addressing it but let, let's let's ask every let's ask every candidate let's ask every single one of them and if we're going to ask it to just one you have to admit that you are using this as a political weapon and you are trivializing this movement of women coming forward and reporting sexual harassment and rape, you are trivializing that to use it to attack your opponent in, in a bad faith way. And when you use a young intern to ask that question, it's, it just screams political stunt. It screams BS to me. And I'm not going to get into all of the different people because I don't have them in front of me. And the Twitter thread that I'd saved is now gone because the woman who tweeted it out made her profile private because I'm sure a bunch of people started attacking her for calling out CNN, for calling out the Democratic Party, for stacking the deck against somebody they don't want because that's how the political discourse goes nowadays, which is which is healthy and good, and I love it. I think it's fantastic. But uh CNN, you got to stop doing this. And Democrats, you got to stop you got to stop participating in this with outlets like CNN and MSNBC because you're giving fuel to the Trump people. They can post legitimate headlines that say Democrats collude with CNN and that's going to hurt your chances. You know, if you really are going to uh, attempt to deny Bernie Sanders the nomination, you better not give the right wing fuel to say, hey, Bernie supporters who will never support a corporatist. Come on over here. I would not consider myself a part of that demographic. I would not vote for Trump no matter who becomes the Democratic nominee. But none of this should come as any surprise to anybody who has any familiarity with who CNN is. It's a terrible garbage organization. They don't do news. They do corporate propaganda. This story came out just a couple weeks ago. Sarah Flores, a Republican spokeswoman who worked most recently for the Justice Department, has been hired by CNN to help with the network's political coverage, propelling a Trump administration official directly into a news role for a top cable network. Her hiring as a, quote, political editor, not a commentator, 
led to internal and external criticism of CNN for placing a Republican political operative in a position to help guide daily political coverage, including 2020 presidential campaign news. CNN hired a Trump staffer as an editor for their coverage of the 2020 elections. So it is good to know that CNN isn't just colluding with the Democrats, they're also colluding with Trump. Because CNN is more interested in selling you drama than they are selling you news. CNN's ratings have never been higher since they started covering Trump 24-7. The only reason they started giving Bernie coverage at all after the elections was because they realized how popular he is, and they realized that they can get good ratings when they put him on the television. That's why they gave him a town hall. That's why they gave him these, those weird-ass town halls with, like, Ted Cruz. They had him, like, debate Ted Cruz or something. I didn't watch that shit. So that's who CNN is, folks. CNN is the kind of place that colludes with Democratic operatives to try to trip up a progressive candidate. And they're also the kind of organization that will hire a Trump staffer to help them do election coverage in 2020. CNN is more interested in selling you drama than they are news, you know. The Monday Night Wars are back, baby. And instead of Raw versus Nitro, it's Republican versus Democrat, and it is way less interesting. The big, big, big news story of last week, uh, at least in terms of people reacting to it after the Oscars, was the Michael Cohen hearing. And let me say that I watched the Young Turks pretty frequently, and every time they started talking about Michael Cohen or Russiagate, or mostly any time I heard the name Michael Cohen, I just start zoning out. I don't listen. I don't care. I'm not interested. But... The Michael Cohen testimony was going on last Wednesday. It was going on all day. Everyone's talking about it. So I was listening in, and uh, it it was actually very compelling. Uh, I just spent a bunch of time shitting on CNN for selling us drama. But you know what? It's hard. It's hard not to love it when it's when it's good. And I and I enjoyed it. The thing I enjoy the most was uh, watching this guy who is uh, hated hated by both the Republicans and the Democrats, and watching the very different ways that each person was grilling him. The Democrats trying to get him to spill some information that is going to implicate Trump in some kind of crime. And I, I, think, I think they did that, especially AOC. She came out firing. She killed it. One of, one of the only people all day who did. The, most of it was political grandstanding and bullshitting, and especially, especially the Republicans. Watching them just cry up there, basically. Pretty much all of them come at Michael Cohen. They say, well, why would we believe anything you have to say? You already lied to Congress. And I think my favorite person is this guy, Jody Heiss, a representative in Georgia. And I, I believe this witness is totally incompatible inca- in, uh, with the stated goal of having to seek the truth in this hearing. This is the first time in the history of Congress we have someone testifying here who has already been convicted of lying to Congress. So congratulations for being the first in Congress to do that, and Mr. Thank Cummings you. as well. I can't believe we're coming. We have brought this committee to its knees in terms of losing its credibility, and it's a shameful mockery of what our purpose is. Is Michael Cohen the first person who's been brought back to Congress to testify after being convicted of lying to Congress? Mr. Adams, in 1991, you pleaded guilty to two counts of withholding information from Congress. I fail to understand uh, why members of this committee or the American people should find any testimony that you give 
uh, today to be truthful. Oh, that's right. This is just sanctimonious bullshit. <laughs> this really was the gist of most of the Republicans questioning against Michael Cohen. How can we trust you? You're a convicted liar. Where was this sanctimony two weeks ago when Elliot Abrams was sitting here lying to Congress after he's already been convicted of lying to Congress that didn't exist? I was hoping this could be a lot more of a comedy podcast, but I get, t I get too mad. This stuff gets me riled up. Who cares? <laughs> Who cares? Thank you, as always, for listening. That's that's the episode. Was it good? I don't know. <laughs> we'll see what happens when I when the producer when the producer edits it down. I don't know. I've uh, I've honestly been stressed out all week about this. I didn't, you know, I recorded the first episode two weeks ago, and I spent a week editing it. I spent way too much time editing it, and I'm gonna try to spend less time editing this one. Um, if you're annoyed by my mouth noises, write in. Go ahead. No one wrote in about the first... I got 20 downloads. Not one person wrote in about anything. So go ahead. Leave a comment. Hit me up on Venmo. I said it as a joke last time. I mean it for real this time. Hit me up. Give me 50 cents. 75 cents. You know, $300. I don't know. Well, whatever you think is fair. I gotta monetize this shit because uh, these opinions are not gonna get me on network television. Uh, yeah, hit me up. Follow me on Facebook. Don't no fuck Facebook. Follow me on Twitter if you want. If you just want political bullshit, follow me on Instagram if you like dogs. And uh, don't follow me anywhere else. Shrekjohn.com. I got it wrong last week. That is my that is my domain. Shrekjohn.com uh, for upcoming comedy dates. I'm hoping to add some more. Hoping to do a few more festivals. And, uh, and add some more actual dates. Uh, I, I want to record an album. I'm going to record an album in the next year. I don't have a date. I'm, I'm probably just going to record it at a few different shows. Take some good bits from some good sets. And string that together for, uh, for a show. So if you are listening and you got a comedy room. And you want somebody who can do 45 minutes of comedy. I can. I can do it. No one's trusted me to do it. No one in this city or any other city. So let me do it. What's the worst that can happen? I've been doing comedy for nine years, goddammit. I've got the material. I'm funny. Put me on your fucking show. Is this is this pathetic? It's not more pathetic than asking people to hit me up on Patreon, is it? You don't even have to pay me. Don't pay me. I just want to do the time. And if you got a hot crowd, I'm, I'm, I'll, I'll record it. Maybe it'll be on the album. Who knows? Maybe it'll go down in history as the best DIY album that's ever <laughs> that's ever existed. So come, come see me do a show. Uh, you know, if you can subscribe to the podcast, if you can leave a review, that would be great. I love you. Oh, oh, that's that's nice. nice.